Hello, 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 everyone. Uh, my name is Mitchell, uh, and this is uh, Penny for a Tale. We have an exceptionally awesome guest today. Uh, we are joined by uh, Dennis Detwiller, uh, the author of Music from a Darker Room, which we just played earlier this week, and cre uh, creative director for Arc Dream Publishing. Uh, for those who don't know, those are the people who make Delta Green. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of a little rolled rolled out the the red carpet for you, but do you have any introductions you want to make? Uh... uh, no, I mean like I I've been um producing game content for so long now I don't really remember, but uh, I guess the most like uh, greatest hits would be like I was involved with uh, Magic the Gathering in its birth. Um, you know, hung out with the Wizard guys, created uh, Pagan Publishing and the Unspeakable Oath, which is mm. a magazine and then we delta green and that's probably the the most famous thing uh but we also did games like godlike and all the one roll engine games um and uh yeah we're mostly focused on delta green these days because people seem yeah. really yeah it's it's a great great um uh books um but so you're you're not just a, a writer uh creative director you you also uh paint right yeah, yeah. So I, I was a professional illustrator uh, before I did any of this game stuff. Uh, so I grew up in New York City, and um, I, I could always draw. My family, all you know, going back a couple generations, could always draw. Um, so I I, um, I became a kind of a pro illustrator when I was uh, seventeen and eighteen, working inking uh, for Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and. Uh, went to college for it at School of Visual Arts. Uh, had some really great teachers, and uh, like uh, Maury Sendak from Where the Wild Things Are, and Will Eisner, who basically mm. created comic books all together. Um, and they taught me a ton of cool shit. Um, I hope I can say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a mature channel. You can curse uh, all you want. <laughs> and then um, uh, did that for years, uh, book covers and such. And that's how I drifted into games, uh, Magic, and and Call of Cthulhu being my obsessions um so yeah yeah you know i've always done illustration i still do it it's great fun definitely so you know you, you talked about uh you know doing uh the superhero work and but what will what kind of led you to the the eldritch uh horror that's almost the opposite of the themes of superheroes oh i love i love lovecraft since i was you know maybe 10 or 11 i found a one of those old whalen black and white you know lovecraft books where it's red and black and white a horrible creature opening and the, yeah um, this is it i want to be part <laughs> of this so i read read all that stuff and then um in 1991 i think i was i was uh dating a girl from new brunswick new jersey and they had a game shop there and they had this little magazine called the unspeakable oath mm -hmm. that this really kick-ass pen and ink drawing on the cover of it by a guy named blair reynolds which is incredible and I was like, ah, I wonder what that is. So I bought it and uh, I wrote this weirdo named John Tynes mm -hmm. <laughs> saying, oh, I want to do art for your book. And I got hired doing art for the Unspeak Loaf. And then like a year later or something, we started working on Delta Green. So, great. So why, why did you guys uh, decide to pursue Delta Green? Well, John had this... Uh, well, we well for one, we used to play uh, Call of Cthulhu all the time, mm -hmm. and it always degenerated into like you know, in Mask of Yarlthotep, like two hundred people, two hundred PCs would die, and we <laughs> yeah. were constantly recruiting like waiters 
And like, you know, <laughs> call, call to the bloody tongue waiter at the local restaurant. He'd be like, okay, you know. Yeah, like, like they do. Yeah. So John was like, I want to solve that, you know, for modern Cthulhu. Uh, so I'm going to make up a reason that they would send more people in. And that's kind of where Delta Green came from. Um, so that was like the ultimate idea. And then Scott Glancy uh, was a like a pen pal of ours who was a, a lawyer and was kind of obsessed with the government and conspiracy. And you, you have to keep in mind, this was before X-Files. Ooh. So this was, this was just before X-Files came out on TV. So we were all mining the same material, mm-hmm. uh, Roswell and all that. And that was a personal obsession of mine. So I started writing all this Roswell stuff with Amigo and, and uh, Glancy was writing all this historical fact mixing with Cthulhu Mythos. And then John would take it all together in this kind of editor's basket and marry it all together in this beautiful, you know, soup. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was fun. It was, it was great fun. And I love, I dearly love working with those guys. I'm working with John right now on, uh, he has a Delta Green book coming out called The Labyrinth. And it's his first Delta Green book in 20 years. So what, what will it feature? Uh, it's, it's a bunch of, it's really unique. What I love what he's doing. It's a bunch of uh, new threats and new allies for Delta green, but they're broken down into stages. So basically it's like, here's when you first meet this group. Here's when you start investigating this group. Here's how they react. Yeah. Here's when exposed. This is what happens. And it's this beautiful kind of three act structure for each cult and, and friendly organization. So, for example, one of the groups is like uh, a support group for parents of missing children, mm-hmm. and you know it's broken down with all of its members and what. And, and basically, it's about the degeneration of one member there who becomes kind of uh, aware of Delta Green, and then he becomes convinced there's like a conspiracy everywhere to steal all <laughs> children. And it, John just does a great job of kind of making the crazy come out of these normal-looking characters in a way that that is really unique. Yeah, oh, that sounds really cool. I mean, I've I've always loved when uh, games kind of put in um, uh, dynamic characters. I kind of uh, you, you give the advice on how they'll shift on certain actions yeah. and stuff like that. And that's yeah, always been not still right. Yeah, you know, an ongoing thing. He, he he built it in a really clean way, so it's kind of like stage one, stage two. <laughs> that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. So I'm illustrating that right now. Um, so, you know, you, you talked about superheroes and kind of the interest uh, of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, yeah. When you're writing content now, uh, you know, whether it's scenarios or just the books in general, like, is that – what other inspirations uh, do you pull from? Uh, um, I usually have a very clear idea going in, and I don't really know where the ideas come from. I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> I usually get a very strange idea and then I go, huh, you know, I think about that for two days and then I write it down like, um, and then sometimes it's just a hurdle I want to clear. Uh, music from a darkened room was, um, I wonder what a haunted house scenario would look like in Delta Green. Uh, and the answer is apparently really frightening to most people because I get very, very many emails about it. Yeah, it house. is. Well, one of my one of my favorite parts was, um, uh, and for those watching, uh, cover your ears if you ha- if you're a player and are going to play it soon. Uh, cover your ears for like ten seconds, you'll be good. Uh, but you know when when they're um, when they hear noises from underneath the floorboards and they they go to investigate and based on their willpower the the door kind of closes in on them and they're stuck there for what feels like five hours. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's a creepy scenario. It came out, I was really happy with how it came out. And what I love about writing these scenarios is getting um, the feedback from the people who play them. So the, I guess Night Floors is probably one of my most famous, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, you know, Carcosa, King in Yellow scenario. That one uh, and um, Artifact Zero is probably mm-hmm. the one I get the most complaints about. Because it's, it's, it's a really <laughs> difficult scenario that just kills people. Um, <laughs> that's so, the fun part. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, if you're playing Delta Green, right, that's quite fun. Yeah. Um, one guy escapes to tell the tale and is, you know, wide-eyed and locked up somewhere. Exactly. Those are always the best endings. I know for yeah, yeah. Uh, the group Monday, uh, I feel like most of them won't be won't be coming back for, for session <laughs> yeah, two. They don't know it yet. But, yeah, that, <laughs> uh, but yeah so, so, yeah, usually I have a, either an idea or a goal. <laughs> the idea just comes out of nowhere, and I laugh and write it down. From the, uh, the, the eldritch horrors of the universe, it just I, comes I hope so. It's usually just like, uh, you know, I forget, I was writing um, the, the whole, uh, I'm writing a King and Yellow campaign right now for Delta Green. It's the first campaign book for Delta Green. It's called Impossible Landscapes. And it's, it, it was supposed to be a 128 page book. And now it's, it's approaching 160,000 words, which will make it as big as the handler's guide, uh, which is, you know, two, 300 pages. Yeah. Yeah. I have that right there in the yeah, back yeah. and then the uh, little box. So, so, uh, but you know, I get ideas there and there was, there's one key idea there that I ran for Ross Payton and those guys that just like, I forget Caleb got up and left the table. He was like, what? Like, Oh man. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it was fun and cool. And I knew I got to him. Um, uh, so, so whenever I have an idea like that, I, I'm usually, I, I squirrel them away and I'm usually have three of those waiting at any given time and yeah. I'm just trying to get that list up. So. Yeah, so uh, you know you've been talking about all these amazing moments. I'm sure everyone watching would would love to kind of get an ear on into to some of these moments. Uh, sure. So, what is kind of like your your favorite experience or or moment uh, as you've run or have been a player in concerning Delta Green or even something uh, like it? Sure. Uh, so so two jumped to mind. One one was when I was a player. Mm-hmm. Um, John Tynes ran a scenario called In Media Res, and I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-mm. Media Res was a wonderful scenario. It's in the Unspeakable Oath. And basically it begins, he literally set us up in a room with jumpsuits, turn the lights off. You put on these jumpsuits and then turn on the lights and we're sitting around a table and there's a dead guy on the table and his face is gone. And we are we're all wearing, you know, asylum jumpsuits. And one of the people, one of the people is holding skin from the guy's face and he says something. And I was just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Like, you don't remember anything beforehand. Um, and and my character died in 30 seconds. Like, I literally, I saw one of the other characters had a pistol, and I'm like, I want my character. I read his description. He wants that pistol. Yeah. And the guy rolled like a zero one, and I rolled like a 99. He just shot me in the face, and I was dead. And then I got to kind of help John run the scenario running around the house. Uh, but it was that was so awesome. Just those thirty seconds were better than most games um, altogether. And then uh, for me, the, if you don't want to know what happens in Impossible Landscapes, cover your ears. <laughs> cover your ears, people, just for the next like, fifteen seconds. Basically, Caleb Ross, a couple other people have been playing Impossible Landscapes, where Delta Green agents sent to a Delta Green friendly psychiatric facility in mm-hmm. Boston that occasionally 
sequestered agents who had lost their minds for the group. They went in there one night and at some point the staff just stopped responding to them and they got, they started to get really upset. And uh, the staff was like, you're going on about that Delta green delusion again. And they realized they were all in the hospital Johnny's Uh... and, and they were, they were patients in the asylum. And, And the doctor was just like, listen, we can't start on about the conspiracy thing again. And that's, that's when Caleb and those guys were like, oh, man, how do we get out of here? Um, so the twist was, was, you know, maybe they're actually not agents at all. Maybe Delta Green doesn't even exist. Maybe oh. they were just like, oh, God, what do we do? Which, which scenario is this? Because I, I need to write it down and, and run it. Uh, it's, it's a four-scenario campaign called Impossible Landscapes. And uh, I'm wrapping up the text now. It should be, the text should be available to all backers, just the text, not mm-hmm. the art, uh, before Gen Con. Um, and uh, it's going to be about 192,000 words. It's everything about the King in Yellow. It's the entire history of the King in Yellow. Delta Green's history with the King in Yellow. All the monsters, all the books, and then four linked scenarios. Oh, um, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it should be really fun. I'm having a great time writing it. It's scary and stressful and right at the edge of my ability, which is kind of where I like it. I like like to get it out there and get really scared about what I'm writing. Is this going to work? Um, <laughs> so that's kind of when it feels like it's going right. Um, In set to release at Gen Con? We'll, um, we'll be pushing the text. So anybody who backed the book on the Delta Green Kickstarter will probably get a PDF of just the raw text. Mm-hmm. By Gen Con. Okay, excellent, excellent. Yeah. So as far as the finished book, I still have to paint everything. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I've got about five illustrations out of the you know forty I have to do for it. So it'll take a little while. The cover's done. Um, the maps are not done. You know, these things take take a long time. But we we have this long standing. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that old wine commercial. We we will serve no wine before it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah just don't want to do that we don't you know a release is forever and if we release it and it's just not great we're lowering the total quality of delta green down and we just don't want to do that. oh yeah definitely i mean as someone who who goes to kickstarter a lot i i always appreciate just kind of upfront saying you know we're gonna we're gonna put all the time we need to make this perfect you know as long yeah. as the, the the uh you know the company continues to communicate you know throughout yeah. it you know i don't Fans really, really love just just having that final when you open up the box and you smell yeah. it. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really lucky with our fans too. They've come to kind of expect a a level of absurd quality from us, and we try really hard to make that mark. Um, and if we can't, we will wait and try and figure out how to get it over that mark, as opposed to just kind of rushing it out. So, like the Delta Green core box set. You know, we're super proud of that because we died over that book. We literally, like, I cut Shane open and he stabbed me in the neck. <laughs> we bled all over that book. So much violence. Yeah, it's just a lot. Like, you don't know the amount of uh, emotional violence that went into that book. Me and Shane just yelling at each other. Uh, so, but, you know, it, it feels right now to us. And mm-hmm. we can look back on it and not worry about it. Not go, oh, hell, we dropped the ball there. We feel pretty good about 99% of it. Yeah, rare feeling uh, in publishing. Usually, you look back and go, "Ooh, <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> <laughs> oh no!" 
<laughs> you know, with all the Delta Green releases and the last kind of big push, it, they all feel really good to us. That's awesome. I mean, I remember my first time uh, cracking open the Delta Green uh, book, and that was actually during the week of the birth of my child. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was in. I know, right? It, it will always be that the book that I opened up while I was waiting to, uh, to, to you wow. know, have a spawn. Um, <laughs> wow. that's, that's big. And you know, yeah. one, of, one of my favorite parts was was um, reading kind of the the GM uh, book uh, and uh, all like the notes and those. It, it created such a, a wonderful world that while I was like reading in the hospital Panera after eating there for like the, the last five days, um, uh, looking around and imagining like, you know, are they watching me? Like, you know, it's just, it brings you into the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We really wanted a very, um, we wanted that GM book to ooze ideas. We wanted you to, if you were a handler running the game. We never wanted you to go, I wonder what I should run next. You should be like, here are 4,000 ideas just yeah. sitting up. So. Flip to a page. You're going to find yeah, something. Yeah. There's always some some cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were really, really bent on making it um, accessible, one, so you could read it in kind of a chronological order. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it just hopefully keep expanding in these cool directions. So Yeah, fun. definitely. Yeah, it, it does. Um, so I was, you know, going through your, your – um, Twitter, Facebook, awesome stuff. And you, you post a lot about the hobby uh, yeah. and tips for GMs and, and players. Yeah. Um, so for, you know, for all, all, the, all the fans out there, um, what is, if you can, what is the greatest advice you have for a player and for a GM? Okay, uh, so I'll, I'll say this. High level for GM, um, all farts at the table are in character. <laughs> um, doesn't matter what you're doing. That's the funniest, best rule I've ever heard that has gotten like multiple pagan publishing characters killed in <laughs> campaigns just by accident. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I like that rule. <laughs> it, it is a pretty funny rule. It always makes me laugh. Uh, so yeah, player rule. Um, the, the biggest player rule I can say is um, it, it's two things. It's trust the game master. And second... Um, don't be disruptive. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of players really want to get center stage, and that's awesome. And a good game master will give everybody a chance to kind of have their own center stage moments and kind of shift the focus around. Mm-hmm. But that's the game master's kind of call. Is like, and then we're going to go to these guys who are breaking into this place. And then we're going to go to this guy who's in the morgue alone. And then we're going to, and it's got to be this kind of ongoing thing. And then for game masters, the the big thing, I, you know, I posted this today and I, I really agree with this, which is um, you have to learn how to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so many games I, I play in uh, for fun, it's endless yeses. And what that leads to is basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, co- conflict is the basis of all these games. It doesn't have to be violent conflict. It, it, you know, it, it can be an argument. It could be, you know, trying to work your way around a guard without any physical confrontation uh, but the minute you're like there's no guard or you can just walk in or the guard doesn't care um that's boring that doesn't help that that just it doesn't give the player a moment to shine yeah um and some players will shrink back from that kind of stuff but they'll eventually come around they'll start seeing other people have moments that you give to them mm-hmm. and they'll get jealous and want those moments for themselves you know when can i have my 
my shining star moment where I hotwire the car while they're shooting at us. And, you know, so that's a, that's another kind of note on trust there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, but yeah, those, those are the two big ones. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so I am going to hop back in a, in a very kind of like disobopulated uh, way. Cause um, you, you talked about, you know, one of your favorite moments, you know, and um, yeah. to clarify, were people dressed up? Oh, in the, uh, in the, the, the John Hines thing? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. But they were doing, uh, John was doing these weird things back then. Um, he did something called Grace Under Pressure. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that Mm-mm. one. Oh, that was awesome. They basically, they, they had like a mini sub. It was like a mini sub setup, but basically they would tape off areas in a, like a gymnasium turn off all the lights. Everybody would have a glow stick. Ooh, you know, that sounds that, awesome. That little radios and people would play the deep ones and grab people. You know, it's kind <laughs> of a lot kind of thing. So he was into that at the time and he was kind of carrying it across to this other scenario, which was much easier to run um, than Grace. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we were in jumpsuits. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure we were. It was a uh, <laughs> 92 or something like that so just to give you an idea of how yeah (laughs) that's okay (laughs) uh that's interesting because uh you know a lot of people who watch this show uh and and myself i come from a a larp and and boffer larp background and then went to to tabletop um so so hearing that that is that is amazing especially all the scenarios and and fun you guys must have had with that oh yeah no we we um the best Call Cthulhu, Delta Green stuff I've ever played has always been with John Tyne, Scott Clancy, Blair Reynolds, John Crow, all the old pagan publishing crew in Seattle. We just played monstrous amounts of that game, and it was always hysterical fun. Uh, even when totally serious uh, situations were going on in the game, we're all cackling and laughing. Mm-hmm. Outside of the game. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my sheriff is going to die. He doesn't know it's a Thakra. You know, like, I totally know, but I can't tell him. Um, yeah, it was great fun. Uh, they, in fact, there's a there's a movie called uh, was it Bone Tomahawk? Have you seen? No, I haven't. Kurt, Kurt Russell, that kind of stuff. That is the closest visual representation to a pagan publishing Call of Cthulhu scenario I've ever seen. I, I'd be the dandy. John Tynes is like the the horrible sheriff's deputy. Mm-hmm. And all the <laughs> characters are very clearly one of the pagan publishing crew, and everything goes horribly wrong. Um, and, that sounds and it's awesome. Totally like, wow, you know, this looks <laughs> like our game. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, going to going back forward again. Uh, so when you, we're, we're going everywhere. <laughs> so when you aren't writing for for Arc Dream, what are yeah. you doing? I'm illustrating for Arc Dream. It's a full time <laughs> gig. We have more than enough work to go around. Um, but, you know, I did 15 years in video games uh, and I took, you know, I, I, I had a very clear eye to get out of video games. It's not a very uh, lucrative or safe profession to be in. Yeah. I mean, just looking uh, at the recent like, um, uh, you know, the boycotts and stuff like that in the, the articles, it definitely seems like a tough industry. Yeah, I was never, you know, to be clear, I'm not bitter. I was never fired. I was never let go. I had 15 years, 15 good years. I worked mm-hmm. at a couple of really good companies. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, I literally, I pitched a AAA game to Activision and made it a uh, prototype, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's on PS3 and Xbox. 
Um, and you know, it was so popular, it, it made a sequel. Um, but I got I got a T-shirt out of it, I think, or like a jacket. I literally <laughs> created the whole thing. Me and one other guy were the, you know. So that that's what you can get out of doing that. In, in Delta Green, I create Delta Green. I you know I own my concepts. I make a really good living off of it. Um, I keep you know my fans are directly to me. I don't have to deal with some weird corporate. Yeah. Um, and you know it's fantastic. It's just like the best of all possible worlds, and I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I spent several years in video games aiming to get out of video games and I saved money and did all that to kind of move here, which is the middle of Vancouver Island, British Columbia, which is the very far from anywhere civilized, a couple hundred miles from Vancouver. Oh, wow. <laughs> out, on the island, out on the island, which is this giant, you know, we have wolves and bears and, you know, we're lucky we have a decent internet connection. That's always an important thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, yeah. You it, want to it, talk it, about true eldritch horror, not having yeah, internet. Yeah. <laughs> we need good internet to have to have truly terrifying stuff. Um, but yeah, we 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 love it out here. This is like a you know I live we live um, me and my wife and my two children. You know I grew up in New York City. We moved to Seattle. I moved to Seattle. I met her there. We moved to Vancouver proper. We moved to San Francisco. We moved to Seattle. So I've lived in all these cool cities and in the middle of them, literally. And uh, I'm sick to death of cities and ready to be in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> do, you, do you ever find that it's kind of uh, helpful in, in the way that you write to kind of be outside of all the noise? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's been, um, I, have a, I have a day counter. It's been 918 days since I quit video games and, and have <laughs> moved north. Um and those 918 days have been just the best of my entire creative life. Just because 24-7, I literally get up at 6, I write or paint until 2, go for a big walk, come back, write some more until about 5. The kids hang, the kids and I hang out, and then it's a day, every day. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, one of our uh, the people on the chat says, I don't even have decent internet connection, and they, they live in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, something you'll learn about the U.S., you know, the, the, the little infrastructure spending bills don't really do anything. If they're just handing it off to telecoms. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they'll shortchange it. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds awesome, just, just being in Vancouver and everything. I know for me, it was the opposite. I went from a, a small town, and then now I live in the D.C. area. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you head away from what you grew up with, mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to describe it. I grew up in New York. So, like, you know, New York subway, you know, people getting shot. Like, I grew up in New York before it was clean and nice. Yeah. Oh, man, I could imagine yeah, it was disgusting. Like my earliest memory is me and my dad on the train and my dad saying, you know, don't look at the man and the man's peeing like on the train, like just on the floor of the train. And oh, I was like yeah. four or five and I'm like, why is he peeing, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, we're drawn away from things, you know, we don't want to be where we grew up. It's mm -hmm. kind of the, the goal of every person I know unconsciously it's kind of like, I'm going to the big city or I'm going to the middle of nowhere. And I'm definitely a middle of nowhere kind of guy. Like, <laughs> what, um, so, so, you know, you talk about, uh, going, um, going elsewhere from where you came from. Yeah. Um, 
was your was your family uh if you don't mind talking about it um were they like heavy uh geeks nerds were they into nope no nope 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 my dad is like the the straight laced kind of dad um i you know i what how do i describe it i i um i said something to my wife the other day it felt really true they don't do anything creative or writing or art or anything really like um my great granddad was an artist. My granddad could draw pretty well. My dad had a, a talent for drawing, but never really took it seriously. Um, but what did I say to my wife? Uh, I felt like a chimpanzee raised by a family of golden retrievers. <laughs> they're, all, they're all very kind mm-hmm. and they all mean really well and they really want what's best for you and they will literally do anything for you. But you're like, I have a thumb and I can open a door. And the golden retriever's like, what? Like, you know, they literally like, you can't draw comic books for money. You can't paint cards for money. You can't, how can you, wait, why are you playing this stupid dragons game all the time? You'll never make money at that. And now it's like. <laughs> Look at it. It did. <laughs> I totally did. Uh, and if I, in fact, it's even worse. If I had listened to anything they had suggested, I would be a miserable failure. I would, you know have a horrible mid-level degree that got me nothing that I would be in like five figure debt for, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, 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 it's a tough choice. I had some really lucky breaks early on in my career that, that I, um, I was lucky enough to pay attention to and take. Um, and, and, you know, there's a ton of luck involved, but there's also being able to kind of, when you see the thing appear, being able to jump on that is like a huge, thing and a lot of people uh are kind of there's a really popular in my generation Mm -hmm. i don't know uh younger there's a really popular self-deprecation is a really popular thing like oh i suck yeah i would recommend heavily against that under any circumstances doesn't get you anything it doesn't make you seem likable it you know it it doesn't help your likability and people who are looking for skilled art you know, are looking for someone who's like, I got this to a certain degree. They don't want ego. Yeah. But they, they want, you know, they want a specialized guy or, or gal's going to get stuff done. Right. And yeah. they're a little scared if you're like, yeah, probably it's going to suck. You know, like, <laughs> you don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's still an issue uh, my generation faces as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I first started streaming and it hasn't been that long ago. My first stream, my child had a blowout right over me. So I was like, all right, I guess my streams are just going to be categorized as shit. So you got to roll with whatever comes, comes along. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, I think the whole process, you, you kind of, you, you learn some, some self love. Uh, yeah, it's you what have, you need. Yeah. You have to support yourself. Um, there's also a darker way to look at it, which is what was, what was it? Uh, you ever see band of brothers? Yep. There's a- yep character in there called spears he's a real dude uh he's absolutely crazy there's just crazy shit during like he literally runs across an entire german occupied town and then comes right back and they're ridiculous he really really did this and then they're like how you know one guy's terrified and spears is like you're looking at this the wrong way you're already dead once you accept that you'll be able to do anything i can do yep yep so when you look at these situations about being embarrassed or worrying about your work or this is your chance, this is all you've got. And, and if, if, if you put up something crappy, 
that's, you know, you move on and make something better. I've put up a ton of really awful stuff in my life, um, you know, in the hopes that I could get like kind of one little rung up the ladder. Um, but I just, you just got to keep trying. And, you know, I, I admire people who are, who pay attention to their work and are really serious about it and um, really try and get better. And being negative about your work is not a bad thing. Like, yeah. I, I, whenever I see something I painted two years ago, I hate it. And just default, this looks like crap, throw it out. And someone's like, no, it's my favorite cover. I'm like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> I messed up the hand. You can see the hand is all screwed up. Um, but, you know, that's that's learning as opposed to kind of this kind of self-hatred. Yeah. Thing. That's the stuff I'd really recommend creators avoid. Yeah. And it's yeah and it's really nice to see as, as kind of a, a creative designer um ha being able because I, I saw on reddit the other day uh you know a 2009 painting from an artist and then like a yeah. 2019 painting ours and you see such a huge difference yeah. yeah yeah i mean you're always changing you know and this is the this is like the bit that kills people is that they want to change like right now and they don't realize it's this tiny incremental change that's almost impossible to see. It's like mm -hmm. watching a sandstone wall being eaten away by time. Yeah. Time lapse. And you have to kind of come back a measurable amount of time later after a lot of work. And that's the tough part is the work in between really just sucks. It's not yeah. a lot of fun to learn how to draw, you know, someone's hand. But that was, you know, that was four years of my life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, the thumb. I, sucks look at the thumb you know that that's all i did 24 mm -hmm. 7 for four years and i could draw a hand doing anything and you know but that works it sucks i'll never get that time back but you know at least i can draw a hand now yeah so that's, like, that's good it's <laughs> the best part about drawing <laughs> fans <laughs> yeah yeah all right so we have a question actually from chat um uh, determined nerd says what's the worst thing you've put your name on oh man that's a that's a tough question. Let me think about this. Probably a mobile game. Probably SpongeBob moves in. <laughs> uh, now there's two ways to look at that. I'm I'm not I'm not a fan of SpongeBob. Mm -hmm. Don't hate. I don't need the chain of people going. How dare you hate SpongeBob? <laughs> you had to spend four years of your life embroiled in SpongeBob politics. You would hate SpongeBob too. Yeah, they don't understand. Going like, shut up about SpongeBob. I want to talk about Avatar, <laughs> The Last Airbender. Um, Ooh, great show. Yeah, and they wouldn't make a game out of it. I'm like, you have the game. Like, oh. And they're like, no, it's all about SpongeBob and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That would have drove me crazy. Yeah, drove me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, probably SpongeBob moves in, but at the same time. Much like the, there's a there's a movie called Flight of the Phoenix. I don't know if you've ever seen mm -mm. it. It's a, a bomber crashes in the middle of the Sahara Desert in World War II, and the guys botch together a crappy little aircraft that barely makes it out of the middle of the Sahara before it literally like falls apart in the air while they're landing. Mm -hmm. That was SpongeBob moves in. Like, <laughs> this huge budget. The first team looked at it and completely botched the entire project. Spent three quarters of the budget, and then what they were like, "You have six months." And this much money. Oh, geez. Make us a mobile social game that, and we were like, what? Like, that's impossible. So there's some 
dim, horrible pride in landing that awful, distorted, falling apart aircraft outside of the Sahara going, I lived. <laughs> I did it. Tell me, I didn't get fired because I screwed this up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, South uh, 2012 says four years of your life uh, embroiled in SpongeBob politics. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's. And then uh, to add to add insult to injury, if you've ever seen the, the show Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. that was my life. Like that is not a comedy to me. That is oh, a drama. Oh man! Um, there's an entire episode uh, based on COPA, the Child Online Privacy and Protection Act, mm-hmm. that was just so startlingly real to me. I had like PTSD flashbacks watching the episode because my entire life was about like, are you recording the child's data? Do you know where they live? Do they have location services turned on? That's oh an man! So, uh, and then I went on to Warner Brothers where I had to work on, you know, Harry Potter and the Hobbits and, and Lego. It was even worse. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's looking at all that stuff is just uh, such a grind on your soul. And yeah. I was still writing Delta Green, but it was like my escape at the time. Yeah. It might have even inspired just, just coming from that, that horribleness. Yeah, the horrible... <laughs> You ever read this kind of existential horror it all comes mobile social gaming in San Francisco? <laughs> That's funny. I was on the other side of it. I worked for a translation company in in MOBAs. All the mobile games all the time would send us their stuff. And, you know, they always want, you know, can you translate uh, yeah. these thousands of words, but we'll give you like, you know, $20 for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's all, it's all got to fit in this little bubble with yeah. 22 characters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> translation is like one word is 38 characters mm-hmm. just goes off the screen exactly yeah, yeah. Oh, i it was fun i know all about that don't want to brush shoulders with that industry again no, no it's terrible oh <laughs> uh, so so awesome we um we, we talked a little bit or a lot actually about kind of your journey from um uh, you know the the golden retriever uh, uh <laughs> family family uh <laughs> to to now you know office uh in Van- uh, vancouver uh near vancouver uh, um well how would you describe the kind of the, the journey other than kind of uh soul sucking in some ways oh, you mean through video games or just just the travel from 90 1990 say to now yeah yeah well, you know, the early 90s uh, was mostly about RPGs and card games. So I became involved with Magic the Gathering. I hired a guy, a, a, a very unusual guy. We, we often called the Big Swede, uh, Jesper Mirfors, uh, to do a bunch of art for the Unspeakable Oath uh, in the 90s. And I, this is a, another lucky thing. Jesper turned out to be the art director for a little company called Wizards of the Coast. You might have heard of Yeah, I, I believe... <laughs> Yeah, they were working on this really stupid card game called Magic. Uh, so I got to do a bunch of art for Magic uh, because I was like, sure, why not? Um, and that was awesome and just changed my life in a great way. Um, so uh, basically, Wizards did really well. Magic did really well, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. They paid their artists really, really well. We all got royalties based on sales. And and, uh, I was clever enough to take all that money and put it into real estate in Vancouver. Um, So me and my wife moved to Vancouver, BC in about Mm -hmm. 2000 or 
wizard was sold uh, to Hasbro, um, 99. Um, and then I started working on video games there. Um, and then, you know, for about 15 years in video games, I went all over the place and did a ton of video game stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely soul-sucking and horrible. But I, it, at the same time, it was awesome, and I got to meet incredible people. Uh, you know, I got to meet uh, Joe Rowling and George R. R. Martin. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, who I kind of met before at Gen Con, strangely enough. Um, and, you know, all these really amazing creators uh, who all universally were just awesome. Um, mm -hmm. It was never them that were the problem. It was always some lower level cog between me and the target yeah, um, yeah. producer or something. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I was putting in 60 and 70 hour weeks and, and never leaving the office and, and it was miserable. Um, and I was being paid far more than I had ever imagined I would ever be paid for any human activity. Like, <laughs> we're like land on the moon, this should be your salary. They're like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, but it was San Francisco, right? So all that money vanished, you know, trying to keep my kids in school. Um, you know, uh, if you didn't send your kid to private school, they get bussed two hours outside of the city. Oh, jeez. Um, so, you know, all that money vanished, uh, as quickly as you could make it. And just felt like my life was vanishing, you know, it was just going away. And I was, I wasn't even there. I was like, so, so yeah, 15 years of my life, um, about seven of them were really good in video games and the rest were mobile and <laughs> very, very stressful, very, very dark, very, very fast paced. Mm -hmm. I hardly even remember them. Um, so, um, and then uh, about 10 years, 11 years in, I, I just basically said to the wife that I, I'm building my escape hatch right now. This is, this is what we're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, where do you want to end up? And we talked about it and kind of decided on Vancouver Island. And, um, and in all honesty, it, that was supposed to happen about a year or two later than, than it did happen. And it was just because Trump, I just said, Sorry if I'm upsetting anybody. I don't really care. Yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, in July, the year before, I said, this guy's a real threat. My wife didn't believe it. My in-laws didn't believe it. My parents didn't. And uh, when he won, um, we were already in British Columbia. I landed in British Columbia on October 31st, 2016. <laughs> and uh, knowing full well he was going to win, and no one believed me. Um and uh, I'm so glad I came up here. I bet. I, I've always wanted to. to I, I went to Toronto and I've yeah. been to um, uh, another city in, in Canada that I forget. And it's always been a place I, I've adored. And Yeah, it's very fun. It's a very nice place. People are, are, are very kind in general. Um, but more importantly, it's, um, it's, not, it's not like the central premise of America seems to be profit based. Yep. And that's a really dark thing. Uh, and it really kind of seeps into everything. Um, and when you come up here, it, it's things just kind of work and, and people aren't um, like a, a great example here. When we first moved here, um, there was a contest on the island to win, to become the home, the host town for a Syrian family. Mm -hmm. And every town on the island, like tried their damnedest to, to get, we want, we want to host these people, you know, and I was just imagining oh, what good. like in the States and, you know, they're totally, the family's totally <clears> integrated. <throat> you know, they've, they've set up a little shop. Everybody knows them. They've, they've learned English pretty well. They're trying oh, to that's learn really good. 
and everybody's just kind of like, this is awesome, right? This is the way it's supposed to be. And there's, it is. Um, and you know, I was just trying to imagine what that would be like in the States. And even if it was in a really progressive area, like Seattle, or I imagine there'd be protests, there'd be, you know, there'd be a lot of negative stuff floating around. What if they're going to do that? And it just never occurred here. It was literally, we saw it in a, we went to a pizza place because we had no, nothing to eat. Like we literally had nothing, you know, no yeah. keeping our house. And there's this little thing on the wall. And we're like, what's this? And the woman's like, oh, that's really interesting. We're, you know, we're trying to host a Syrian family and we really hope Parksville wins. And I was like, wait, so this is a super positive thing? And she's like, yeah, you put in money in here. And we're like, they were putting money yeah. in here. It was great. Um, so I really appreciate stuff like that. We had a really nice moment on Canada Day, which is July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um where a car broke down in a highway in front of us in a in kind of like traffic jam. And it was an old man in a car. And he was basically like really old in his nineties. He could barely get out of the car and everybody just kind of went into park, put on their, you know, emergency lights and everybody ran out and got together and pushed the truck over to the side. Uh. <laughs> you guys just hung out with him and called, you know, road services and the road services showed up. And I was just like, you know, no one was screaming, no one, like, it was rush hour, no one was ready to kill anybody, there was no violence, there was no, like, and I, I don't know what the disconnect is, I don't know why you go two hours south, and, you know, if, if that happened in Bothell or something, there'd be some guy swearing at you. Yeah. Corner, you know? Yeah, it's just, I think it's all the negativity. I mean, I've yeah. worked in um, a, co- a bunch of nonprofits that helped um, people uh, seeking asylum, kind of yeah. integrate into to America and in the U.S. Um, and it's it was tough. I There was lots of times at the, the DMV where I, I heard even from employees just these words that I that were just so unkind. Um, yeah, and, yeah, it might be the negativity. I mean, the other, the other big thing that we noticed moving up here is it's not a fear-based media economy mm-hmm. here. So the news isn't literally like, you're already dead. Your children are being murdered. There's poison in your food. Like, it's literally like, we have a slight problem where there's sewage coming out of this thing and we're going to try and figure it out. Or, you know, that, that would be like a nightmare material. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like, you know, they're putting in speed bumps at the library. These are the news things you see. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the joke article? It wasn't even a joke. It was like, otter surprises cat, but they become fast friends. That was the cover of the newspaper. Oh, that's like, so adorable. You know, okay this is where we need to be um but yeah and the other thing is like people don't worry here about medical oh that's that's huge for me in the states like when i was independently employed it was so expensive you know like i was paying so much money for four people in seattle uh to have a decent plan was so it was you know half my income yeah it's a nightmare Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's really hard and that that can eat at you. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I remember being so incredibly bitter about it. And so like, and it's in me, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like ready to rage. So I can understand it. It's not like some magical thing. You cross the border and you're like happy and stuff, but it's removing weights from your daily life really changes who people are fundamentally. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like uh, we we can kind of tag the end of the stream as like code of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Sponsored well, by Canadian Tourism. You'd be welcome. It's, it's, it's a wonderful place. Uh, but yeah, if you want to talk about, more about gaming, I'm into that too. 
Yeah, no, this is awesome. I, I, I love, love talking about all these things. <laughs> and for uh, people watching, uh, if you guys have questions, uh, any and everything, everything's on the table. Uh, yeah. Feel free, uh, and we'll, we'll definitely swing that in. Which actually comes to a, a friend of mine who was who played Delta Green um, Monday with us. Oh, cool. uh, first, uh, he says he is a huge fanboy. So, oh, cool. hey. <laughs> uh, 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 his name is Alex. Um, hey, so, Alex. hey, Alex. Um, <laughs> but uh, he wanted uh, to know how much of your stories are based on real, weird, or creepy events that you've either been through or, or heard or. What uh, I'm, I'm almost none of them. Uh, are, they're just me. They're me trying to creep me out. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. I'm like, when, whenever I like, when I wrote music from a darkened room, are they done with it? Do they know what happened? Uh, they are. So we we had this interesting thing where you know I was like, you guys should probably investigate. But they were so excited about the the house itself that they, right. they they just went into every room and they were just like, I want to touch everything. Jesus. <laughs> so well, that's a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't I don't know what to reference then. Um, I don't want to ruin the the scenario. I don't want to give away anything. But usually, um, usually it's me trying to creep me out. So I'll sit in the dark in the basement typing something about some, oh, it's a clown and he's coming to get, you know, like, and be like, I don't like that. Uh, and then I'll kind of write that down and know that's a very, um, if, if I feel scared, mm -hmm. that's usually a decent indicator. It, it'll it'll pique someone's interest at least um, and hopefully scare them too. Yeah. So, I, I imagine yeah, so, you like in your, your office there, which with all the lights turned off and just in. Your... Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I turn off all the lights and I just sit at this, these, these monitors. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is um, I read a lot of history uh, as well. So I just wrote something on something called the Gowie Shade, which is um, Isabel. I think it's Isabel Gowie. who's like a real witch. So I read about that, and then I created this item that's kind of based on this other vague story, and then just took it in its own direction. Um, so I, I, whenever I do research, if I'm researching, you know, if, for example, if I research pre-Incan culture, mm -hmm. it's real. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't just kind of go like, whatever, it's blue guys, and you know, I actually look it up, and and you know the. Oh, it's the Chavin people, and he, you know they're from this date to this date, and here's what their jewelry might look like. And so I try and really reference things really tightly to reality because Delta Green is kind of about integrating really creepy ideas and meshing it to history in a way that's believable and kind of like, oh, maybe that happened. Interesting. Um, so much so, yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. So, like, uh, for for those kind of wanting to to write horror in in any yeah. platform, um, would you recommend kind of going through history, or do you also like watch scary movies or read oh, scary I, things? I, I love horror movies, uh, but I'm very picky. Um, there are there are, I'm super picky. I mean, I've seen everything under the sun. I mean, one of the great things uh, that my job affords me is the ability to just have a movie running. <laughs> Yeah, typing, and I can watch and everything. Um, so I'll have a movie running t literally my whole workday. There's usually a movie or a TV series running or music. Um, 
but the movies I will recommend. I'll yes, recommend. that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I will recommend several movies right now. Uh, the Exorcist Part 3. Exorcist Part 3. It's a deeply underrated movie. It is the only movie I have ever been in the movie theater where the entire audience stood up in kind of a freak out moment. And it's a scene that has since become famous among horror aficionados. It's called the hallway scene. If you look up Exorcist 3 hallway scene and just watch that, um, that, that will cover it. But um, it's a beautifully written movie as well. The dialogue is amazing. Mm-hmm. The actors are amazing. That's George C. Scott and a bunch of other really, Brad Dorif. And, um, and it, it's a nice little sequel to The Exorcist, but it's kind of its own thing. Uh, skip Exorcist 2, by all means. Never <laughs> Just go, go past it. Uh, I really liked um, uh, Hereditary. Really creeped me out. And I haven't seen anything quite like that. Beautifully put together. Um, there's another movie that I saw um, about ritual magic called A Dark Song. Oh, which was, yeah, I've not which, heard of that one. Which is a wonderful film um, about kind of classical demon-based magic but realistic um and it's very very creepy uh very builds to this wonderful crescendo um trying to think of all the horror films uh and uh, the most delta green movie i've ever seen is a movie called absentia Absentia. uh, which is a very odd missing persons movie um and uh very very clever and very just beautifully put together um if, if if i had to uh uh, God, what is that movie called? Yeah, so I'd say those those are really strong films for me. Um, there are other films that really kind of ring back to Delta Green. Primer is one mm-hmm. of them. Um, it, films like that, that that just kind of seem real and then kind of just go off into this weird yeah. space where there are these rules <laughs> that you're not fully certain of. Feels very Delta Green. Um, and then, um, uh, oh, this is it. Uh, so... Uh, the most Delta Green emotional movie I've ever seen, the thing that feels like Delta Green, is a movie called Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin. Yeah, and Blue Ruin um, is a very, it's, a, it's about a homeless man who discovers that the person who killed his mother and father, um, which kind of drove him into mental illness and homelessness, mm-hmm. has been released, and he, he decides he's going to go home, clean himself up, and kill that man. And it's just an emotional, and he's just a normal guy. He's not Rambo. He's yeah. not. Uh, and it's just a very deep, dark look at this person trying to be something he's really not. Yeah. Um, and and it's really dark. Um, but it's all about relationships between him and his sister. So the Bond rules and Delta Green are very front yeah. and center. Um, yeah. So if you put a supernatural element in that movie, that would be Delta Green exactly. <laughs> It's all about personal disintegration. Yeah. Uh, so. So how about the kind of the the movies that are coming out in theaters the, the last like couple years uh, yeah. in terms of uh, Jordan Peele's movies, the uh, yeah, It no, series. I loved, I loved Get Out. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I haven't seen Us yet, but I've heard it's quite good. It is really good. Um, I but I love Get Out, and I loved the new Twilight Zone. Uh, I have yet to watch it. I really want to really really good um and and he just he gets it he's he's completely clued into what the twilight zone should be from moment one and there's always a deep-seated worry there's always like oh is it gonna be 
rights, and it's perfect. Um, and but I get the feeling he's he's kind of like that on a lot of things because um, Get Out was just so amazingly well done. Um, but I, you know, I have to see us. Um, I'm trying to think of other horror stuff I've seen recently. Um, did you ask about one other thing? What was it? Uh, it. Oh, it. Uh, it part one. Um, while I enjoyed the kids and the town and and the clown, mm-hmm. uh, I found absolutely nothing in it scary. Mm. Not even the bit scary. Okay. It was kind of like, oh, now having said that, it part two, just the preview. It's horrific, isn't it? Scared the bejesus out of me, oh. and I went, yes, that's it. That's what I want. The first movie felt flat to mm-hmm. me, horror wise. There were no real crescendos of horror that second the two minute and 56 second preview was scarier than the whole it movie it it was Uh, uh i was just oh that blew me away so i was like i'm in i mean i was still in i love stephen king Mm -hmm. uh he's a god um so yeah when i was growing up uh you know one of the first horror books i ever read was when i was 10 uh salem's lot and uh, it's a vampires take over a small New England town. Mm-hmm. Amazing Stephen King book. Scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. I would stay up at night worrying at the window, like, what's going to come and knock on the window? Uh, ah, those are the yeah, best times. <laughs> love his stuff. Um, actually, recently he wrote a Lovecraftian book um, called Revival. Interesting. Which is also, also quite, quite good. Um, it involves uh, De Vermis Mysterious, one of the classic Lovecraft books, the, the Mysteries of the World, is the central kind of theme in this book. Really well done, really creepy, uh, just classic King. Um, I'm trying to think horror-wise, what did I watch most recently that, that I liked? Uh, Black Summer on Netflix. Black Summer. It's, it's a crazy, over-the-top look at a zombie apocalypse in a way that every other TV show just fails to kind of touch on, which is um, everybody always seems so calm. Every Everything is just so clean and nice. And it's kind of like, you know, you'd think if this was America and there were fast zombies. <laughs> oh, jeez, everyone. Things would be a lot worse. Like, you know, there would be a lot of like, let's say morally reprehensible things going on than, than the average episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah. That would that would be like every every big twist in The Walking Dead. It would be like that twenty four seven for several years before everyone was dead. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what it feels like to me. And Black Summer is much more of a um, realistic social look at what might happen there. Um, and, and it's it's a I think a eight episode or ten episode series. Yeah, I definitely um, saw that. It was something I was very curious about. It's on Netflix, and it, I was not expecting anything from it might be why i enjoyed it so much Mm -hmm. after the first episode i was like oh that's really interesting and there was another um chat channel what is it it channel zero is that what it shows they canceled it Um, (sighs) there's a sci-fi network show called channel zero and every season is kind of a theme and they had a great theme called no end house and that creeped the hell out of me and it was basically about um a pop-up haunted house that mm-hmm. just appears in neighborhoods and uh, what happens is the protagonists 
go into this pitch black house that just appears at the end of the street in the neighborhood as like a art exhibit or something. And they go in and after a while, when they, after they come out, they realize they never left. They're still in. The oh, house. really? What, what, what is this called? I'm writing this down too. It's called, it's called Channel Zero No End House. And I think it's season two of Channel Zero. And it creeps the heck out of me because it just went off in these surreal directions and they just went with it. They're just kind of like, this is what's happening now. And you're like, oh my God. But I, I like stuff that'll do that for me. Yeah. That'll really surprise me. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I now have a whole list that will no doubt keep me busy for, for the next couple <laughs> <Yeah>. weeks, <laughs> as well as everyone else. Exorcist 3, I can't recommend that one enough. It's just beautifully written. The book uh, is called Legion. It's by William Peter Blatty, the guy who wrote The Exorcist. It's the sequel to The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And the book is even creepier. The book uh, keeps me up at night. That book. <laughs> Those are the best books. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we are going to hop all the way from the horror genre, taking a, taking a long plane. Though I, I do want to comment, we have South uh, 2012 uh, loved Hereditary, uh, thought okay. it was incredible. Uh, yes. And uh, Cenobite is happy to hear that someone else has a love for Absentia. Oh, yeah, I love Absentia. It's on Netflix, I think. Totally worth watching. Great film. It's definitely something I'll have to check out. Um so, uh, your your favorite non Cthulhu RPG, uh, and, and I'm gonna throw in another tag: non horror. Non horror. Oh, uh, this is probably gonna sound weird. Uh, Marvel, the Marvel superhero system, so the Phase Rip. Yeah. Six <laughs> Marvel superhero system, um, just because it it so handedly did Marvel superheroes. I remember thinking this would be impossible and Jeff Grubb just kind of was like, Hey, check this out. You know, just like literally like, pow, and it was perfect. It was like, this, this totally works. Spider-Man can be, you know, it's like seemed totally balanced. And yeah. Characters and, and we were looking for something like that. And it's probably the most fun I've had kind of fooling around with making my own characters um, in an independent way. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful system. Awesome. I actually think I might have that in a box. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the one with the green, yellow, red outcomes on a kind of a chart. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a rank. You know, you're, you're, I have amazing strength or typical strength or poor strength. Interesting. We, we should probably have to have to run that game on the show sometime. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, and Jeff Grubbs is a really fun excellent um so i had a question from uh one of the people watching uh sent sure. earlier uh they wanted to know if you had any advice for kind of like the average civilians as to how to play delta green when it's kind of very you know uh, you're playing fbi cia navy right. military you mean like um like character advice or yeah like character advice you know for for people uh, who are very much outside that world Right. Well, I mean, we we um, we tried really hard to kind of put to bake a lot of like uh, go to information in the mm-hmm. players. Right? So in the agent's handbook, it'll literally say, you know, what are the powers of a law enforcement official, and it'll give you kind of a breakdown. Yeah. In in a way, and, and it's built. There's a reason we split the agent's book and the handler's book the way we did, because we want the agents. We want you to be able to hand this out at the table, and the guy goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah. yeah. This is kind of what I can do. So I would say 
the biggest thing is look at that section of the book, which is like, what are the powers of law enforcement officials? And it'll break, it'll give you a really clear idea. The second thing I'll say is it's kind of the GM's job to step in mm -hmm. when your character is trying, your player is trying to get the character to do something that the GM knows the character should not do. Mm -hmm. And that the character himself or herself should know not to do. I'm an FBI agent. I know I can't shoot the guy in the head. And yeah. Dump him in a ditch. If you're going to do that, you know, the GM should probably step in at some point and go, hey, listen, you can do this. But, you know, what's likely to happen is they're going to find the bullet. They're going to figure out it's a federal pistol. They're going to find the registration on the pistol. Yeah. They're going to come for you. They're going to find your gun was fired. They're going to find burn on your arm. You're going to go to jail for 25 years. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, and then it'll probably make the player think twice. It'll build a little rule into their head to go like, yeah, you know, how, how badly do I want this? Is this a good idea? Um, so it's, it's a two-sided thing. It's like the player familiarizing themselves to the summary on law enforcement powers and the handler kind of paying attention and pushing back a little bit when a player goes to overstep the bounds of something that's going to kind of put their agent in danger <laughs> yeah definitely oh oh man i totally missed this uh but rilo cloud seeker thank you for the the bits uh we really appreciate it oh, cool no problem. <laughs> he uh that was actually one of the players from uh oh. monday's delta green uh cool. played a uh a person kind of focused on computers and such it was very interesting <laughs> he did a oh, good job nice. cool they had fun <laughs> oh yeah a lot of fun oh, yeah good good Oh, that's, that's the goal. oh yeah, yeah. As long as everyone has fun, we can we can yeah, uh, sleep. Win. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we are going to kind of cut to um, a piece of uh, a, a painting you just did. Uh, oh. <laughs> everyone gets. Which one? Uh, uh, let me. I'm not watching the stream. So yeah. So it is the uh, "May Everything Come True." Oh. Yeah, that's that's from Stalker. Um, so I don't know if you guys have ever seen Stalker. Stalker is a wonderful, weird, surreal Andre Tarkovsky film. He did Solaris, and, and it's based on a um, a story called Roadside Picnic, which is a very famous uh, science fiction story. So yeah, I, I often paint. Um, in the last two years, I've been painting commission paintings for people. Oh, so they'll they'll basically go. Um, I really like this scene in the movie, and mm -hmm. I say, "I'll, you know, I'll cost you this much, and I'll make you an oil painting it." And and um, it's been pretty brisk business. It's been doing really well. Let me see if I can show you one of the oil paintings. Oh yeah, that'd be great. All right, you can see this. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, perfect. Yeah. So this is Charlie Theron from. Mad Max. Wow. Yeah, you can and see the, the detail in that. Yeah, it's an oil painting, so kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, anyway, I did this for a commission. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and it's, it's quite fun. Um, I really enjoy it. It takes my mind off stuff. And, yeah, um, kind of a nice break. Deliberate product, kind of like I'm going to sit down and paint someone's cheek for four hours. <laughs> How long did it take you to, to finish that one? Oh, uh, two days, something like that. So, you know, eight-hour days, maybe. 
so 16 hours probably. Uh, so it, it, sorry, it's, go ahead. no go go ahead i was just going to say you get faster and faster mm. the more you do it you know yeah so like you know that that was a very detailed uh uh, piece right there in um, yeah. very based on kind of like the the real uh, while the uh, may everything come true kind of has yeah. a very almost surrealist uh, feel to it with the the rolling um, really dreamy yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have uh, do you find that as you're kind of uh, in this time expanding kind of the the genres you're going into concerning art no um, you know art um Art for me, I mean, this this is the thing. I, I gave an interview not too long ago uh, where I said something really upsetting. I'll say it now again. Um, <laughs> art is really, really, really hard. Uh, and writing is really, really, really easy. Um, writing is like, here are the 12 rules. Don't mm -hmm. break these rules. If you have something interesting to say and you don't break those rules, you're set. You know, and art is like, bleed onto this page. You fail. <laughs> try again bleed on you do this over and over again it's just it's hell in a basket and i had an argument with a friend who was a you know professional artist and he was like that's bullshit you know writing writing's just as hard and i said um you know uh, okay imagine a woman sitting at her, her um, portable computer mm -hmm. in a coffee house the table's uneven uh, it's raining outside it's near dusk and the water's streaking the window and the car lights are going by in this blur there's a cat asleep on her feet. And I said, now you go paint that. And he went, <laughs> he went God damn it. It's um, tough. It's really hard. Um, so there's like a, for me, art is moving art to be something I do for fun and, and kind of this uplifting activity has been very empowering while writing has become kind of the core, um, you know, my core employment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's work. I go bang, bang, bang. And when I'm, when I'm painting, it's, it's just kind of like, I'm going crazy and painting and it's fun, <laughs> you know, but it used to be my job. So mm -hmm. it used to be kind of, oh, I got to paint like four faces and three ducks. And, <laughs> oh, geez. Be miserable. You know, it used to be this ass dragging activity and now it's just kind of like, cool, I get to paint. So do you ever hope like, I don't know, later in your career that you can just paint and do kind of like these these commissions and just paint for fun yeah yeah i mean you know i'm almost there um the delta green stuff i love painting mm -hmm. monsters so that never gets old like when i'm like i'm gonna paint like a giant bug with a thing coming out of his mouth eating this guy i love that stuff. so i do that anyway i do it for free <laughs> so you know even when i was retired i'd still be painting lovecraftian beasts doing stuff awesome all right, we're going to hop into another image, uh, and this is concerning uh, uh, the uh, Control Group, which is uh, just got released on uh, Drive Through RPG. Oh, is that the cover? The guy with the gas mask? Yeah, yeah. Let me move myself <laughs> away. I have inserted myself behind every every picture that I have. <laughs> no, no worries. That, that image, I got a lot of emails about that. Image. <laughs> so did did you, was is this made by you? Yeah, yeah, I painted that. Yeah. Whew, all right, what what made you come up with this? <laughs> uh, I wanted I wanted something uh, that made you feel really uneasy, and you didn't really know what was going on, but at the same time, you could tell something bad was going on, with the implication that something that they were trying to do something kind of 
for the greater good. It almost <laughs> looked like I wanted like a quarantine look. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, he's holding a, a little kid's teddy bear. Um, and uh, I just wanted it to be like, um, you know, you're next. Come on, come on in. Like, oh, and you have no idea what's going on. So, uh, and Greg Stolze, the author, had written something called Sick Again in there, which is about this disease that kind of breaks out in a small town. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to kind of play off that uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted you to feel very uncomfortable looking at the image. Yeah, um, it, it made me feel uncomfortable. Oh, uh, the, the teddy bear, you know, the, the vest and really kind of like the, the depth of the, the piece. Like you can, you can see very far down there in the yeah. light in there and the, the darkness yeah. in between. Yeah. I just wanted to feel really um, uncertain and creepy. <laughs> uh, it seems to work. Like, you know, like I said, when it went live, I got a ton of emails going like, what's going on? Who's this? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, why is why are you doing this? So it's funny. Like, um, welcome to Delta Green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy world. Uh, so this this is just came out. Uh, drive through RPG. Um, yeah. I will actually link it for those who are interested yeah. in and buying it, checking it out. I definitely encourage uh doing so. Um, and hopefully Sorry. we'll be able to yeah. run maybe a scenario from there soon. Yeah, if you want me to tell you a little bit about the scenarios. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so so it, it's a it's a bunch of scenarios by Greg Stolte. And Greg, um, Greg is just a, a famous designer. He's written a bunch of stuff. He wrote Unknown Armies. And, uh, yeah, know. I just got a hand of Unknown, Unknown Armies. Yeah, great, great guy. And he wrote a bunch of these introductory scenarios, Delta Green along with Shane Ivey. And uh, they basically are designed to create Delta Green A each scenario it's kind of like Oof. you're not exposed to delta green yet and after this mission you're gonna be and then the, <laughs> la the last one is kind of like get all the survivors together and run an op you're all in delta green now here go do this so it's a it's very much a setup to get into delta green um and they're uh, i'm trying to think of the scenarios there's one uh space shuttle like a, a classified space shuttle launch to deal with the majestic satellite um and where you're you're literally astronauts on the space shuttle in uh, Air Force <laughs> astronauts working on one of the classified shuttle flights before mm -hmm. the program stops. Um, there's sick again, which is about um, a, a little disease that pops up in an Arizona town and starts killing off everybody, and may or may not be from someone from some other place or time. Uh, I don't want to give away too much on that. <laughs> uh, let me see which which I don't want to try to remember this. There's a, uh, there's one about a weird cult, uh, which has its own, this is really cool. It's got its own little cult flyer. Oh, hand out. It's like, join the, um, I love and, handouts. Yeah. Hang on. Um, so I'm looking up this, I want to see what the last one is. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, the reviews are doing pretty well. So that's cool. Um, sick again, uh, Wormwood arena. Night Visions. Uh, Night Visions is a um, you play. Um, I believe you're a group of army uh, uh, in Afghanistan in mm -hmm. 2011, going to an isolated valley to trade with a kind of an insular tribe that owns this little dammed-in valley, um, and uh, are known to steal people from the surrounding area. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to kind of buy their love with um, you know water purifiers. And, and things like that and they're just not at all what they seem to be so 
Um, that one is pretty cool. Um, but basically, each of these builds to Wormwood, and then in Wormwood Arena, the kind of the last scenario, the survivors from the other scenarios, the surviving agents. Yeah. That's their first Delta Green operation. Um, so it's 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 a nice intro to the world. It's a good way to feel like you're really putting your dues. Of you know you know the stories agents go like I joined Delta Green because of X. Yeah, yeah. The scenario where that's why you joined Delta Green. Oh, that that's very interesting. Like you know I I saw it come out and it looked interesting, but you know now hearing that kind of the, yeah. have that. Uh, that's especially when you're when you want to kind of run a campaign, having your players be able to look back on this, uh, yeah. these scenarios and be like, and there's there's not trust me, there's nothing like having. We have a player, uh, Shane has a player Amber, mm-hmm. who um, her character has been through like eleven operations, and is just a shell of a human being. Like, mm-hmm. is literally at like the lowest point you can possibly be and still be playing the game. All of her bonds are shot. Her sanity is in the toilet. She's literally just like, okay, let's go get this. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, there's no, she can look back and go, yeah, that was the time that thing came out of the mirror. And, and it's all stories that actually happened to her. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes a huge difference at the game table when she's playing with new players because suddenly she becomes the grizzled old agent. They're like, what do we do? You know, and she's like, you know, <laughs> smoking a cigarette, looking yeah, wistfully yeah, out like, the window. Like, really kind of brings a lot to the table which is, is cool so yeah it sounds amazing because you know for my most of my experience with kind of call of cthulhu or delta green have for the most part been one shots um yeah campaigns there's nothing like a campaign like i love masked mural hotep it's probably my favorite uh campaign um and i'm you know impossible landscapes the campaign i'm writing right now for delta green the first campaign for delta green i'm really trying to kind of I want to hit that level. Yeah. Trying to get near masks. That's my only goal. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, all the stoppers are coming out and I'm writing as furiously as I can. Um, but yeah, I love that stuff. And campaign play, you get to see in Delta Green, especially mechanically, you can mm-hmm. see the characters kind of do this with occasional spikes of like, I did it. And then the, <laughs> then the drop. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about that. That sounds like uh, an amazing book that's coming out, the, the oh, campaign. Cool. Yeah, well, I'll let you know when the PDF comes out, and I'll, I'll send you the text. Oh, sweet, thanks. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, you know, it's, a, it's um, a source material that I've always been really fascinated by, uh, and having a campaign in this, the, the more I, I listen to, to, you know, the benefits of it and, and definitely the long play, it just sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really kind of built for it because I mean, players will come and go like, uh, and, and that works in Delta mm-hmm. green. You know? Oh, he, he's transferred to FBI Quantico, you know, and he's by agent solace, you know, and then, yep. you know, players, uh, uh, agents will die and then you, you get a new agent and it changes the entire dynamic. So having this ongoing cell conspiracy really gets kind of a feeling where it's like, yeah, yeah he's not part of G cell. He just came in here. He's, he's spying on us, you know? You know, you get players, uh, agents turning against other player agents, and it gets it gets dark quick. <laughs> the paranoia. Yeah, no, they're putting like GPS trackers on the other agent's car, and making sure he's not kind of like going anywhere he shouldn't be going. Oh man, yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> so really good, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really- <laughs> 
All right. Well, awesome stuff. I mean, that that's all the questions uh, in, in topics I had. Uh, I know we, we kept you longer than... Oh, uh, it was fun. It was really fun. Anytime. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's been a pleasure. Um, of course, if uh, if anyone has a question even after this, I, I'm sure you can send it to me and I can forward to to Dennis. Yeah, and, sure. No problem. Uh, he'll, he'll be great to, to check that out. Um, yeah. The uh, drive-through RPG for uh, the Green Control or yeah, the Green uh, Control uh, Group. Control group yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get that right. Um, we have the link on the the chat. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, it'll also be down below, as well as the link to to Delta Green's other websites. Uh, they have an amazing welcoming community. I definitely encourage you to check them out on on Reddit, on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, They're everywhere awesome. they were super welcoming. Uh, and I definitely. think the other big thing I can mention is yeah. uh, need need to know um, our introductory material mm-hmm. is uh, pay what you want on RPG now. It's all the rules. It's six agents and it's an entire scenario for free, basically. And you can just download it in RPG now at any time. You just go there, look for need to know Delta Green need to know, and uh, it'll give you everything you need to run a game or even play a game. And it's it's all free. Excellent, and I'll definitely have that link uh, for for those watching later on on YouTube and whatever. Because uh, yeah, Delta Green is amazing. Uh, wow. You know, I, I come from a Call of Cthulhu, and, and finding Delta Green was kind of like it felt for me a, a, a step up in, in terms of oh, the man. world. Uh, so really appreciate that. Um, wow. I'm trying not to fanboy too much here. No, no, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, awesome. It's, it's always nice to hear good things about stuff you work so hard on. Man. Definitely. Uh, so once again, uh, Dennis, thank you so much uh, for spending this evening uh, with me. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, who stopped by. And all the questions were awesome. Yeah, thank you, guys. And have a lovely evening. See you guys Bye. later.